You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is No Show. And today may be one of the simplest things I ever talked to you about, and it's one of probably the most practical things, unspoken things that goes on in our lives every day. And it has to do with just showing up. I think it was Woody Allen who said 80% of success is just showing up. And there's something basic about life, whether it's a party, whether it's a luncheon, whether it's church, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's a friend who's in trouble, whether it's an appointment you make and just don't keep. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. Part of who we are as a family, even as a church, has something to do literally with just showing up. And what happens to all of us at some place at some point in time is on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night or whenever a Bible study, we go through this thought process and there's something we've committed to. There's something that we're involved with. There are people who depend on us and we think, well, but I'm not teaching it, so I don't need to show. I'm not doing anything there today. I don't need to show. I'll just sleep in. I'll just rest. I'll just take it easy. I'll go do something else. But what you don't realize is sometimes just your physical presence someplace makes all the difference in somebody's life. Because somebody looks up and says, wait a minute, I know that guy. I know that woman. I know that family. I know they're going through stuff, but somehow they made it. They showed up. They're here. There are things that happen in life that you just completely miss out on if you don't show up. Now, let me, if you don't believe any of this, let me test it. I'm going to suggest that you do this, that for the rest of this week, if you're employed, do not call in. Just don't show up just for a week. Don't answer your phone when they call looking for you. Just don't show. Just be a no-show for one week and see what happens. Now, let me tell you what I think might happen. If they can't find you and determine that you're dead and want to kill you at some point in that process, by the next Monday, you've been replaced, probably. Your paperwork's someplace if you ever did show up. Why? Because life goes on and there's something about just being in a certain place. I played sports a little bit growing up. Maybe you've been on a team of some kind. I know the church, we have softball every once in a while. What is one of the greatest challenges? One of the great joys of playing softball is we play softball. One of the greatest challenges, you're standing there before the game starts and if a certain number of people don't what? Just show up. We don't care if you can play or not. We got to have your body on the field. You can stand out near the fence and watch it go by you. But we have to forfeit the game if what? You don't show. Now, in life itself, not just about church, not just about Bible studies, but with our children. You see movies where they hype this thing to no end where a dad says, I promise I'll be there. You can count on it. Little girl out there with her bags packed, her daddy's coming to get her. And what happens? He no shows. And she is heartbroken and never seems to forget that thing that happened in her life when somebody no showed. It makes a difference. Your physical presence in a certain place at a certain time 
even if no one knows you're coming, expects you to be there, but God can have all the difference in the world. Now, lest you think this is in the scriptures, it's in here and we're going to go through some of these passages. Matthew to begin with, Matthew chapter 18. And it's one of these things that as you read the Bible, there are certain things you never do Bible studies about or talk about much because it's just implicit. It's just understood. It's just, well, it's almost like a duh. You have to show up for some of these things to happen. But there's so many times in life where we don't show up. Now, let me tell you one of my goals about Sunday morning, and I think it ought to be about our any gathering that we have as a church, a Bible study group of any kind, any kind of Lord's Supper gathering, anything. I want us to have such an amazing time together when we gather and for God to be so real and so awesome that if you've got to miss any of those gatherings, you're heartbroken because you missed something. That I wasn't there when God did this. I wasn't there when God spoke to somebody's heart. I wasn't there when so-and-so became a Christian. I missed it. If you had just been there, if you had just shown up. Now, you're, some of you are sitting there saying, you know what, but I have to work some Sundays. I've been in jail for six years. I haven't been able to show up. Well, we can write you an excuse for that. I understand we've all got things that happen. I'm talking about when you have the simple battle, and let me tell you where it becomes an ethical battle is when you're laying in bed on a snowy morning and you call in sick and you're just sick of going to work. You're not sick of anything else. You say, well, don't go there. We all live there. Don't, don't be messing up my sick days. That's why I got them. Your sick days are for when you're sick, not just when you want to sleep in. You say, well, that's none of your business. Well, then take it up with God. We have these situations when the real battles, the everyday battles of life, it's leaving work, going home, thinking if I grab a bite to eat, I can be at that Bible study. I can make it. I'm going to go. And then the battle ensues in your brain. And the devil says, you know what? Blow it off. You're not teaching it. You don't have to be there. They'll go on without you. And there was someone else who thought, you know what? The guy that invited me is going to be there. And then you know show and they show up and go, what's up with this? They invited me and they didn't come. They didn't call me and tell me they weren't coming. And just your physical presence alone being there. There are times, guys, when I wake up on a Sunday morning and I can't find who it is I call in sick to. <laughs> I think about it every once in a while. You know what? I'm going to call in sick today. I don't like missing this gig because something happens when we gather. There is something about just the simple gathering of God's people in a place like this, in a home somewhere where God does things. And I'll show you biblically in a minute exactly how this thing happens. Now, I want you to stick with me. I want you to think about it. And I want you to make a decision before we're done today that it's about nothing but these battles that go on. All right, Matthew chapter 18. Let me read you some verses, 18, 19 and following. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, I don't do this a lot, but I'm going to go over this few of these words today. This word is sunago, and this is a passive tense verb, okay? And this usually doesn't make any sense or any difference. But where it says there, where two or three are gathered together, it is something that is done to these two or three or more that are gathered together. This gathering today, this isn't just you and I saying, I don't have anything to do this morning, I think I'll get up and go to church. You are not here by yourself, probably. 
You have been gathered here together. And I think there are many times, and what we're talking about today, is that the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and says, you know what, I'm going to gather like a flock of sheep. I'm going to gather this group of people together for a reason. And every person, every individual is a different part of the process and contributes something to the process. We're a body. And God says, I'm going to gather you. And the promise is where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I promise you God is here. Why? Because when he gathers us, he has to be here. He guaranteed, he promised he would be here. I don't show up on Sundays to gather as a church and wonder, well, what if God didn't show up? He's got to show up. He has gathered us. He's got to be here. Now listen to what this word means, gather, to gather together, to draw together, collect of fishes, of a net in which they are caught, to bring together, assemble, collect, to join together, join in one, those previously separated, to gather together by convoking, to be gathered, in other words, come together, to meet, to lead with oneself into one's house, in other words, to receive hospitably, to entertain. Literally, there are people who will follow you as you physically show up, invite someone, they say, okay, well, if you're going, I guess I'll go too. They are being gathered just by your leading in that way. So there's a promise where two or three are gathered together in my name there. I'm in the midst. So it's worth gathering because he shows up in an amazing way. Look at Mark chapter three. It's talking about Jesus and his disciples. Verse 13 and following. And it says, and he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12. Now, guys, this is so simple, but read this with me. Then he appointed 12. He picks 12 guys. And what was the purpose of him picking these guys? That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And it goes on to talk about that. The number one thing mentioned there, Jesus called these 12 guys to himself to be with them. There is something about us doing nothing else but just being together that changes everything. If somebody walks into a Bible study in your home or one of these places we gather all over town, sometimes, and I have this same feeling, I've taught Bible studies for 15 years, and there are nights when I am tired, I am hosed, I don't want to mess with anybody, I'm tired of talking to people, I don't want to talk more God talk or pray for anybody else, I'm done, I want to go home and go to sleep, be by myself. And I feel exhausted and I've seen this over and over personally and with other people. You think I can't go, I can't take it, I'm too tired. And you show up, you walk in the room, you sit there for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of this Bible study and I get done and I'm like, now what happened in this room? I was exhausted when I walked in and now I'm rested, I feel great. What if I had missed this? And all it was was gathering with God and his people and something miraculous happened and it's refreshing, it's rejuvenating, it's exciting. And I go, wow, there's stuff going on. And I was down here low, maybe not doing so great, but somebody walked in with some praise and some great thing going on. I'm like, man, what if I had missed hearing about that or helping somebody carry that burden that they brought in? And it's nothing, guys, but just physically being together because there is something about physical presence that changes everything. John chapter 20. I'm going to read you verse 1 just so you'll see what day it is. Verse 1 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. He had to be buried 
and get in the ground before Sabbath, Sabbath started. So why do we have church on Sunday instead of Saturday? Because after Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday, they begin to gather on the day of his resurrection, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. So that's why we usually gather on Sunday. Don't get nailed down and concerned about the day. He is more worried about the heart of our worship than the place and the time of our worship. Verse 19, look down to verse 19. Then the same day at evening, okay, what day is it? The first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were what? Assembled. Jesus has died. Now a few people have seen him raised from the dead. There's this rumor and they're running around saying, oh my gosh, we saw him. And if I were in the group, I'd be going, well, maybe, maybe not. They're in this place. The doors are shut where the disciples were what? Assembled. That same word, were gathered. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. If they had not been gathered, this is how simple this is. If they had not been together when Jesus showed up, they would have missed it. Sometimes there are gatherings, there is worship, there is stuff going on. And just because you elected to be somewhere else, something happened and all you can do is hear about it. And God wanted to do something with you there as well. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Next book over. Acts chapter 2. Another amazing thing happens here. The day of Pentecost. When all heaven broke loose, the church is born. It's just unbelievable. The Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were together. When this thing went down, you cannot justify saying, well, I'm a Christian and I can worship God out under a tree or on a golf course just as well as I can in some building somewhere. Sure you can. But if you're going to go there, let's all go there with you and get under that tree together because we cannot do this. It's not designed to do it alone. It is about being together and gathering together. And we'll see what some of the specifics of that are in a little bit. Acts chapter two, verse 44 Just down a few verses. Now all who believed were what? Together and had all things in common. Just showing up. You know what? Some people, that's their biggest challenge is just showing up. They get a job. They get somebody helping them. They get somebody to hire them. And now all they've got to do, 80% of being successful in that job is what? Just show up. This is no small thing. One of the toughest things in the world to find is dependability in people. Consistency in people. It won't flake out on you and just disappear. Acts chapter 2, 44, all who believed were together. They were together. Acts chapter 20, verse 7, a few pages over. says, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to part the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You think I go long. They went all day. But they were all with one accord in one place. They got together again. One of my toughest challenges in this job is get people to just show up. You say, well, what do you care? I can read my Bible at home and pray. You know what? You cannot be a Christian as effectively as you're supposed to be without showing up and being around other believers. It is a family. A family stays together. It gathers. It encourages and challenges. I have a hard time tracking you if I never see you. It is a huge encouragement to me when I look out here and just you're sitting there. I think, well, they must be okay. And if they're not, at least I see them enough to know and I can talk to them and somebody can find out whether they're okay. First Corinthians chapter five, verse one. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. You're Christians and the Gentiles don't even do what you're doing. 
that a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed as absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are gathered together, not if you're gathered, but when you get together, deal with this situation. When you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Part of the reason for gathering is to deal with problems and the challenges that come. It was never intended for Christians to have to do this alone and be alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 and following. And we're going to take a few minutes on this and then we're done. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. In other words, to go right into the presence of God because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross, shed his blood for our sin. You have because of that access to the God of the universe. Just like that, we with boldness, he says, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The first thing he talks about here is the fact that we have boldness to interact and enter into a relationship with God and approach him and talk to him and be with him because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and took our place. So you have a relationship vertically with God that's made possible. But out of that, look what happens. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Now, one of the biggest challenges I've got, guys, and I'm sure everybody in this room, if you don't just simply show up somewhere sometime with somebody, you start drifting. Most of us will never make it on our own doing the right thing. It just doesn't happen. And if you are by yourself and you are doing the right thing, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to pile in with a group of believers if everything's going so great. You are going to show up. When I find people who say, well, I've been a believer 20 years. Are you plugged into a local church? Well, no, I haven't found one. Then you're not listening because the Holy Spirit will lead you somewhere to somebody so you can be connected and not have to do this and flounder on your own. This city alone, cities all over the planet, but this one is crawling with people who have no church family, no church home. They have nowhere to show up. Either they don't think they'd be welcome they smoke, they drink, they do something, they think they're going to be ostracized over, they don't have the clothes to wear. You can't imagine how many people invite to church and they say, I don't have anything to wear. I don't care as long as you're clothed, you can stink. I don't care, you know, come decent, clothed, covered, that's all I'm asking. And if you don't have clothes to do that, we'll get you clothes. But show up. There is something that happens about just gathering together. And if we don't gather, we start drifting. I'm looking out here and it's hard not to see individual people that I know your story. I've known you for years and I've watched. And when you start peeling off, you get by yourself. It's like a wolf that isolates a sheep and just destroys that sheep. But when we run together as a flock together, something is different. There's safety in numbers. 
Verse 23 again, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I'm going to go up here to this word consider. Let us consider one another. The word consider means to perceive, to remark, to observe, to understand, to consider attentively, fix one's eyes or mind upon. It is very hard to consider someone you don't see. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now what happens just practically? We gather here, we gather in a small group Bible study somewhere and you walk in, if you are sucking air and somebody knows it and sees it, I know a certain number of people at least to come to my house to Bible study. I look at them and go, are you okay? They might be able to say, yeah, I'm okay once. If I look back and go, something's wrong, I say, are you sure you're okay? At some point, we're gonna get to the truth. Now, am I buttoning in? Should I mind my own business? Should I leave them alone? That's not why they came, probably. If they're in trouble, they want somebody to see what's up and ask what's going on and pray for them and encourage them. But if I don't see them, it's hard to know that. Out of sight, out of mind, unfortunately. Let us consider one another in order to what? Stir up love and good works. How are you doing? Man, I love you. There's something about seeing somebody and running up, put your arms around them, say, man, I've missed seeing you. I've done it today with some people. I'm so glad to see you. You know what? That stirs something up in them. Wow, maybe they did miss me. Maybe it does matter that I'm here or not. Maybe someone does care. To love and to good works, encouraging them to do the right thing. Let me tell you something that I know about me. Left to myself long enough, I would drift and be in a heap of trouble. The sheer accountability of being a pastor, of being a husband, of being a father, these things, the responsibilities of life have a way of keeping you on track. You get away from all that stuff, you know what? You say, well, I'm free. You're free to do nothing but get in trouble usually. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Look at this word, not forsaking. Now, I'm going to read you the word here for forsaking. Abandon, desert, leave in straits, leave helpless, totally abandoned, utterly forsaken, to leave behind among, to leave surviving. He says not forsaking. That's what it feels like to people when we don't show up, literally just show up. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This gathering together means a gathering together in one place, the religious assembly of Christians in particular. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Now listen to this word for exhort. It's parakaleo, which means to call to one side, to call for, to summon. How are you going to exhort someone that you're supposed to be summoning to your side if you can't get near them? Have you ever just grabbed somebody and said, hey, let's go for a walk? You literally call them to your side. If it's your daughter or your son, you might grab them by the hand. If it's a friend, you put your arm around them. If you're just having a conversation with an acquaintance, you walk along and say, you know what, let me talk to you about something. You call them to your side and you encourage them, you challenge them, you gently say, look, I love you, I care about you, I see what's happening, I can't let this go. I'm praying for you, do the right thing. But it's hard to call somebody to your side if you can't get by their side, if you can't find them. There is something about sheer presence in this case. Now let me read 24 and 25 again. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the day that Christ returns. A simple thing like showing up. What if Jesus had not shown up? Everything would be different. 
He decided to come, he came. What if he had shown up, born of a virgin, lives his perfect life, gets out there in the garden and says, you know what? Let this cup pass for me. In fact, you can have it, I'm out of here. And they come to arrest him, he's not there. Well, what happened to Jesus? Well, he ran away. He no-showed the cross. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. I'm going to tell you the worst no-show that I can think of. It isn't about church. It isn't about a Bible study. It's about you as a family member, a friend. Maybe the reason you're listening to this today, somebody gave you a tape, you're listening to the radio, maybe you're sitting right here today. Somebody brought you and talked to you about this. And you know what their number one fear is, if they love you and care about you, is that one day they're going to drop dead and they're going to end up in heaven because they made a decision at some point in their life to accept the free gift of eternal life that Jesus died on the cross shed his blood to pay for our sins, was buried and raised from the dead. They got the gift. They got eternal life. They know they're going to heaven and they die. They get to heaven. And what are they waiting for? The day that you show up and their prayer now, because they won't be able to pray it then, is that you will not turn out to be a no-show in heaven with them. There's a tree and there's a fountain filled with blood. And if you drink from that fountain, you'll live forever. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.